You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to the Earful of Dirt, Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro, and I'm joined this evening by Victor Perez and Dan Brown in New York City, Josh Fredland, the extraordinary content editor himself, and producer Corey Munson. So, you know, hit him up, uh, hashtag EODpod, or uh, that's on Twitter. Or in the comments on YouTube, and uh, we'll try to answer your questions. Um, so, how's everyone's week been? Um, great, yeah, freight freaking good. great. But all right, yeah, yeah. it was okay. a good weekend. Almost perfect weekend for USA mm-hmm. rugby. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, it was Almost a perfect, perfect. It was a perfect weekend. It was not a perfect start to the week. True. Yeah, I think Aww. that that, uh, that can that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, I have not had my celebratory like. Bender. <laughs> yes. What does that involve? <laughs> that involves a lot of drinking. But uh, you know, I should Monday's I, a good day to start. I know. It's it's a great day. Uh so for those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues, you know, hear from the league, team leadership. And check in with all of you, our friends across the U.S. rugby scenes. Uh, no review this week. So, Dan. Yeah, so we're rounding up um, or rounding out one of the – probably one of the best, if not the best weekend in at least the past couple of years of USA men's Eagles histories, history. Sorry. Um, two glorious victories um, coming from the 15s and 7s men's side. I'm sorry. Best weekends of USA men's Eagles history. Um, we've got tie time in Houston, some healthy squabbling about the prospects of a draft, and then, as we alluded to, some unfortunate news about um, our skipper, I guess, or our CEO of USA. Our skipper, the skipper. But let's the start American. off. Let's start off with the actual MLR. You know, it's it's MLR versus a potential future MLR. Team. So, guys, uh, another Canadian team blew down. What happened? Well, guys, let me take that one. So, oh boy, this game. Such a back and forth between the Saber Cats and the Ontario Arrows. Uh, that ended, by the way, with a 28-all score. I'm sure none of you predicted we were going to get a draw out of this game. I was suspecting that the Saber Cats were just going to run over them. And I boy, to, was I was I wrong. I wanted to see them win by 20 points, just like sort of how I wanted to like sort of see their progress against New Orleans, which we did see. But mm-hmm. uh, this was surprising, to be honest. I completely, I completely agree with that 100%, Aaron. But eh, it's, it's what it is. That's, that's an issue of sport. You, it's, it's, it's not really fun when you know what's going to happen. And the funny thing is with rugby, that almost 100% of the time you can be sure that the team you think is going to win is going to win. But, again, I'm glad I was wrong at this time. But in any case, and especially after the thriller that we had last week with um uh, with Nyack, the, the Cybercast at least did, definitely 
Oh, two, excuse me, two weeks ago. Yeah, that's right, man. That's, that's right. Two weeks ago. <laughs> Definitely a welcome addition. Now, I was also not sure that the errors were going to match the, the Cerebro Cats tempo. But, like I said, I was gladly wrong. Now, from the commentary, it sounded like the forwards, particularly the front row, was this, was like deceivingly quick, which obviously regarded, uh, regarded the Canadian side uh, with a couple of tries, courtesy of their captain, Mike Shepard, and I think their lock, um, Paul Cellini, I believe is pronounced in Italian. Now, these are the types of games I'm personally lo- looking for forward to Major League Rugby. Those that feel like a professional league is now open for business and that obviously will attract newcomers to the league itself. There's yeah. a correction on that try. It was actually their hooker, Andrew Quachin. I was corrected on that. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate, I appreciate the correction there. So that gentleman. Daniel, go ahead. Yeah, so as I said, um, tie time in Houston or is, um, I guess, Grant Cole on his mix LR uh, would say it. Uh, tie time. I don't know how he says. Whenever they score, he gets really into it. I was like, try time, try time, never gets. Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't gonna go that far, but yeah, that's what that's better. That's what he does. <laughs> so tie time in Houston. Um, I didn't actually get to listen to the game at all, so I don't know much about it. However, Ontario did actually post a really great highlight video, which we shared on, on Facebook, and it, it wasn't really. A highlight video per se, it was more or less about a minute and a half or so before all of their trying or, or their scoring attempts. So you actually got to see a couple phases go through. So I would definitely recommend watching that. There was one play that looked like it was a knock-on in the scrum. Um, so I'm not sure if Ontario should have actually gotten the score there, but uh, game's over. I can't do anything about it. And it's a preseason match, so I don't think anyone's really too upset about that but it looked like it was it was very highly contested game um really as victor said really looking forward to something like this in mlr especially because ontario is a potential future uh member so I think- yeah i i mean i i haven't normally i do listen to this thing i just it's freaking busy this weekend i'll tell you what but uh i was very surprised uh, especially based on uh, you know how much practice time the arrows have had. Uh, if you look at their resume, which I did in depth, they had the talent. I mean, it, it was basically uh, you know if you look at the UBC Old Boys uh, roster, the Ravens, it was a bunch of dudes that you know there were I think like four guys with senior caps, and then a bunch of guys who played played either on the Ontario Blues or other rep sides. And then a bunch of guys who had also played on the U20s or the Canadian Maple Leafs, which is their A side. Uh, so they had the talent. I just didn't think they had the chemistry to do what they did. And they they did some crazy shit. So. Well, yeah, at the, yeah them not being together, I think we had somebody connected to the Arrows tell us on Reddit that they've only been practicing four hours a week every other week so i don't know about every other week they're pretty active on instagram so unless they're um saving their uh you know videos and posting them every day i think they've i think they've been practicing every weekend uh pretty much because it's sort of like the blue system is which Mm -hmm. is most of those guys are 
spread out across the province so they have to work a regular job because I think one of the dudes probably I think travels like a almost 300 miles to practice so it's nothing no commitment probably <laughs> <laughs> wow. about a half hour commute to practice Three. <laughs> that's far Three different trains, half hour. Yeah, on a good day. <laughs> uh, so, hey, should we go one last thing about the, about this match? No. Sure. What do you got? So we had a comment come in about Colby Francis, the eight man for the arrows. So he was an absolute monster. He got a bunch of the arrows scrums, even though the Sabercats got a big push on him. Yeah. All right. So we can't speak much to it, but apparently this guy Colby Francis did a a great job in the uh, the match the other day. You know what I I will say these these eight men in this in this league and I guess this potential new team. There's some monsters playing number eight. Tell Cam Dolan. Oh yeah, Cam Dolan. He's he's my MVP candidate for this year. And uh, especially oh for you look at uh, one of the guys for uh, SaberCats is. Uh, Pago Haney, uh, otherwise known as, I think we're going to call him Pago Gronk. I think that's his IG handle. <laughs> Pago Gronk. Shout out. Um, um, so moving on, uh, this is where, you know, I talked about, you know, post-match bender, bender that I owe myself. Uh, the United States defeats Uruguay in a, well, I would just say a, a walloping, uh, 61, so over, to, 61 to 19. How was your over-under on that one, Aaron? What was uh, your, what was so, your on that? so the math guy who's been helping me, helping me out, rugby at Rugby Forecast uh, on Twitter, he had Uruguay at minus six. I had, before the Brazil game, I had us minus 10. And then after the Brazil game, I said us minus seven. And man, I wish I I wish I could have found a bookie. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> I wish I could have found a bookie, man. Uh, so yeah, I had us winning, just not like this. Yeah, it was obviously very surprising. Sixty was it sixty one nineteen? I think that yeah. was our so, highest victory over them. Yeah, so second so most points scored. Uh, the biggest point differential was 54 points in 1989. A friend, of, a friend of the show, Tony Ridnell, was on that team uh, that bludgeoned them in Montevideo. So apparently, playing in Montevideo used to not be that tough for us. <laughs> <laughs> How so, times have changed. <laughs> uh, so um, it w- another stat is that. Uh, was it so 40 points scored was the most points we've scored in a half since 2006 when we scored 49 points against Barbados. We, in the first half, we defeated Barbados 91 to zero that wow. year. And uh, so. Poor, yeah. poor Bajans. <laughs> so, so, you know, first half, pretty dominant, 40 points scored. Uh, also very chippy physical defense by Uruguay which I think gassed them out. Uh, we scored early uh, with Tony Lamborn. So fast was his try off a quick tap that the ESPN replay dude 
was focused on something else that we didn't see this. There was only one angle and it wasn't live. Like they had to go to the replay <laughs> because they were focused on the replay. Just way too fast for, for anyone. Yeah. Uh, so, and then Mikey Teo, two minutes later, uh, you know, score gets the ball pitched to him pretty fast from Sean Davies. He notices the gap and he just goes like afterburners are on, puts it between the posts and, you know, Will McGee goes, puts us up 0 to 14 with his two, two kicks. Uh, then it was a bit of a, a back and forth, I'd say, but for the most part, uh, we had a great defensive hold uh, at the try line, which was the only time that Uruguay threatened in the uh, first quarter. And for the most part, after that, we kept the ball in their half, and then we would Dylan Fawcett. This was this was great. So there was a out of a ruck. There was a box kick by Sean Sean Davies. So people have been wondering about that tactic out of Sean Davies. He he actually gets box kicks out pretty fast, which I like. Um, and then Augsburger picks it up, kicks a grubber, and then um, Lasike carries and offloads. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that, and I'm never the biggest fan of, of kicking when you're that close to scoring a try, but that was just perfect placement and perfect timing where I think there was only one – Uruguayan who was running the wrong way. So then the kick basically went over and took a good bounce that just brought him right in. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. And then, so we're up 21 to zero just entering the second quarter. And, you know, their blitz, the blitz defense that the Uruguayans were using and their attitude was just getting sort of out of control. Um, and to the point where they're, they're fighting amongst each other. And, you know, the next – we probably would have scored the next time, and that's when uh, Augsburger kicks deep and it bounces just right to where it's, like, going high, and we were able to run it down in the try zone. We have – there's, like, three Eagles trying to get this ball, and uh, Santiago Arata is just being, like, a little chihuahua scrum half and being mean – and, you know, knocks down Hanko Hamishice, which he probably shouldn't have because Hanko Hamishice would eat him. Um, and the, so Hanko's, like, down because I think his head got knocked in this, like, scuffle. And he's like, frick. And then Arata's just standing over him, you know, just going, hey, I put you down. Well, guess what, dude? You took a yellow card and we got the penalty try. And then we just – Two minutes later, Augsburg, like Nate Augsburger, uh, you know, dots down a kick from Dylan Owsley, scores a try. We go up 35 to zero. And then to close out the half at 37-40, Hanko goes up. Uh, and this is where Mil- Will McGee misses his only conversion. He was six of seven uh, with his with his boots. So it was <laughs> Uh, that uh, the first half was what we could play like, and it was amazing. Yeah, uh, it was um, obviously very happy from the first half. We scored um, one point per minute. It came out to forty nothing at the half, um, and then even just coming right back from that at forty second minute, we scored again, and it came out to be forty seven nothing. I don't know the last time we've had that big of a jump on someone that was actually ranked. 
technically above us. Um, so then it was actually the, the 44th minute was when Uruguay finally scored its first try. So they went 44 minutes without scoring at all. Um, scored again a little bit after that, making it 47-14. And then there was a point where we actually had the ball on their goal line, try line, zone line. I, I don't I don't really know the proper term for these things. Um, I feel like some people hate it when Americans butcher this, but they're, they're right there. Just couldn't get it over, and then Uruguay ended up kicking it out. We're safer then, but just about a second later, there was, there was actually lots of fuego, lots of fighting going on in the, uh, the second half. Because <laughs> Aaron, you, you mentioned that before, where it was it was getting pretty chippy, but it was the second half where it, it really got into full-on fight. Oh, it was even like, I think, so Arata stood over, you know, Hanko in the first half, but he was getting, he was picking fights with everybody. He was trying to oh, pick yeah. a fight with Davies and Davies is like, you see like the expression on his face is like, you put one here, you're going to die. <laughs> there was one time where um, it might've been that, that time where he was picking a fight and one of his own players came over and grabbed him by the neck and just pulled him away. Cause he's like, just, just get away. <laughs> um, and the, honestly, the, the amount of kind of, pushing and shoving that happened throughout the day, it's all a blur to me. But there was a, a point when one of the bigger fights actually broke out, and I think someone had Peter Malcolm in a chokehold at one point too. Yeah, um, that was, that's also not smart. <laughs> not really. Um, don't want don't want to put Bam Bam in a chokehold. Um, it's, it's the thing is, is it was the small dudes from Uruguay who picking were picking fights. fights. Against I mean, the big dudes, and then there's Cam Dolan, like right there, who's who's five feet taller and two hundred pounds more than him. And we can always ask Ray Barkwell about Rada. He had issues with him last year. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, ugh. yeah. So he does what a scrum half does. He's just that small little guy that likes to get get chippy. But apparently, at least according to I think Dan Power, who was there, where when a, when the big fight broke out. Apparently, one of the Argentinians tried to help up Sean Davies, and he smacked away his hand, and he said, get that the F out of my face. And then I, that's when the big fight came out. So I, so I didn't see that. Like, I didn't see it. I remember hearing it, it, and I'm just like, okay, well, the way this match has been going, I don't want their hand. To, like, I'm thinking they're going to – like, that's just the wrong thing, right? Yeah. They're gonna, I'm going to pick the hand. And then they're gonna punch me in the face. That's with the way that match was going. I that's sort of how I felt what was gonna happen. Yeah. So that came up from there, and and um, coming up with the the rest of the half. So I think at this point, and like I said, it once the fight started breaking out, it all just kind of came into one big blur. Um, scored twice again after that. Um, I forget the try that happened immediately after that, but um, Sam Wuching actually. Took the ball, ran over there. They're basically on the inches, you know, yeah. goal line, basically. Um, kept trying to push it over, kept trying to push it over, couldn't get it. And then finally, Wuching right there for his first international try, you know, made up for the <clears throat> for the really close one about a week or two ago when he knocked it on. I think it was Chile. He was just yeah. right there in the, in the try zone. Um, so that was really great to see um, Wuching finally get his first try. Um, so overall, 61-19 was the end score. Um, obviously a great showing. And one thing I really loved was that we fought through every single ruck. Um, got lots of turnovers through that. We weren't passive about that. We we basically bowled through them as much as possible. But um, is it me or, or 
was this match still pretty sloppy, especially uh, in the first half? I gotta say, like, I think we we played like the minimum standard that we should play, but Uruguay was just so frustrated that they were not focused for their mat this match, and they really played like with. I, I don't know. Maybe they wanted to use a different defense, and it just didn't help them at all. You know? Yeah. You could tell like a lot of the fights coming out, too. You could tell they were just pissed off and more just, just frustrated because I wouldn't say that, that most of the scores were really that uh, that the U.S. was really, really outsmarting them or outplaying them uh, because, like I said, they were pretty sloppy in the, in the beginning. But just Uruguay just completely fell apart. Yeah, and I, I guess they were gassed and everything like that, that they were just pissed off. That, like, this is how they started. They're a higher-ranked team. Um, they're at home. They want to play spoiler, beat the U.S. That's really same in all sports, and they blew it. Victor, what, do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts here, man? Cool. So, first of all, uh, uh, to the listeners, Trust me, it, it it didn't escape me the fact that Dan, instead of saying Uruguayans, Argentinians, when it was talking about the whole hand thing, so trust me. Oh, did I say Argentinians? <laughs> you did say Argentinian hand. Exactly. Instead of Uruguayan hand, it's okay. They're pretty much the same thing. They're, they're, anyway, they're the right talk. next door to each other. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they're pretty they're much the same thing, he says. They're the, pretty much the same thing with the talk. You hear an Uruguayan talk and you're an Argentinian talk, he's that whole. Uh, uh, Italian sounding accent, so I really don't blame the, Euro- the Europeans. They think they feel like they're European, but they're not really. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I can't say they're not because I mean, I mean, you go over there, you see all these weird Italian last names, and from also and from German. other parts of the world. So yeah. So I mean, they're like a mini USA anyway, to a certain extent. So yeah. But anyways, we're going to the match. Yeah. So it was first of all great result. Despite uh, the the mishaps of the second half, as we mentioned, sixty one to nineteen was the score, and that's obviously not something that the Eagles put uh, uh, often, especially on Uruguay a team that was pretty much uh, the same level uh, with them in, in in the world rankings. Speaking of the world rankings, with this victory, USA is now fifteenth in the world, which I believe is the highest ranking uh, thus far, and I was there. No, point. we were ranked 14th a long time ago. Were we? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can pull it up. But it's the first time we were ranked 15th since before the 2015 Rugby World Cup when we just went like this. <laughs> like it. Go, like go up from here. We're, so, we're ranked one place behind Italy. So That's right. right. So let's go. see if we can we can take it from them. And then we'll we'll have to enter the six nations because that's the other thing. I mean, and it's a funny one. And um, and you know, Dan, as you mentioned, Italy, we can take. Well, I say we, like I'm a player, but the Eagles players can take can take on Italy. I mean, the last game that they, they, they play against them wasn't it? Um, twenty one eighteen or twenty twenty eighteen? Two or three? Yeah, exactly. That was years ago, though, wasn't it? I mean, that, no, two like, years ago, not two years ago. Three years, like two years ago, we lost to Brazil. Oh, yeah, two, two years ago. Two years That's ago. A big difference. I'm pretty sure it was two years yeah, ago. But yeah, I can take them. About that. Um, it was in Houston, right? No, it was uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, it was in Avaya. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in Avaya uh, Stadium. But yeah, they can but, take uh, them. Um, yeah, like we can play at Italy's level. Um, 
on a good day. I know. Uh, so he uh, apparently, points. Yeah. apparently this wasn't a grand slam. I, I don't know what else you call it, but uh, it's a grand slam. You shush. <laughs> <laughs> it was a grand slam. They didn't lose any games. The one hundred five. So, um, you know, for the most part, I think, so we played, you know, the same attacking system we've been using, which is the one, three, three, one offense, which, uh, wastes some multiple looks and, you know, pushing the ball wide, trying to play a lot of fast champagne rugby. Right. So Uruguay, if you look at how they've played throughout this tournament, use a very simple, uh, attack system. It's basically just pod rugby. They call it four, four. And, that really doesn't rely on having skillful forwards uh, that much. And this is for, for the technical discussion for everyone that wants it. Right. Uh, yeah. But, Aaron, how, how'd you learn all these technical things? Did you have a conversation recently with anyone that. Uh, so for, for all of you that uh, want the technical stuff, please hit our rugby techniques series uh, with Gordon Hamlin. Uh, where you can learn about the blitz defense, space on the pitch, the and then the three attack systems we did, which is uh, two four two one three three one and one three two two. Um, but uh, they they tried to they tried to out physical us up front, and I think this was where why Lasique was put in at inside center. So we basically had you know two you know flanker type bodies. Uh, playing in the centers so physical just bashing and uh yeah i really like i, I said this last week too but i'm really looking forward to seeing paul the CK come back because everyone like, people keep saying different things about him like he, he he's from new zealand he played rugby his entire life and then he switched to football just, or no he played he played both in in college yeah. and then played nfl and some people are like oh he he played rugby in college and you know he's not really He's never really played it before. This, no, he grew up playing it. He's, this he's, guy played rugby since he was in diapers. Yeah. <laughs> like, the best part is, like, a friend of mine's like, uh, I mean, as a friend, is like, I really don't care about what people say about Lasique. He's just getting his feet wet. He'll be warmed up in no time. He'll be just, like, the guy played, you know, rugby since he was, like, five. Uh, he, that stuff doesn't just go away. Yeah. Um, you know, I think – even you know without that like physical blitz defense that they were trying to do i think the score would have been similar but the playing style they chose just made it worse on their minds and bodies you know we what we saw is what you want to see from an american team is that when they when we play a game is like we were more physical we were more fit and we had speed forever you know and this is honestly this this is the the brand of rugby i i want to see like the american brand i want to see you know, fighting with the rucks, getting physical, um, having fast wings, obviously being as technical as possible because Americans are not known for being very technical. Um, but really, you know, just just punishing people who try to think that, you know, they get tackled and, you know, they can they can seal the ruck and then just kind of sit there and, and not really pay attention. And, you know, Scrum Half just kind of walks up, pick up, picks up the ball when they're ready. He's like, no, I want to fight through this and I, I want to to punish them if they think that they can just take advantage of that and, and get turnovers you know get scrappy with that and by the way another Dan mentions the, the style of play of the US you guys probably noticed that every particular team uh, at least of, of the tier one has a 
a, a specific type of play that you say, oh, the English play like, the French play like, the New Zealanders play like. We in the U.S., we still don't have a particular way of playing that you could say, oh, this is the way Americans play. But this is actually a great opportunity, guys, as we're going up in the rankings, since USA is pretty much an amalgamation of people groups from all over the world. In rugby, that's how they should be played. There should be it should be a mix of all the tier one nations' way of playing put in one team, and that should be the, the, the U.S. way the of playing parts. that I would like to see. The good so, parts, not the bad parts. Yeah, I, I the good really, parts, of course. So, <laughs> so one of the, I mean, if you read like Rugby Strategy twenty twenty, whatever that was, whatever the thing was, it talked about developing, you know, for coaching wise, it talked about developing the American style of play. So if you go to New Zealand, there's a New Zealander style of play, you know, like that kids grow up, that they play from when they're five to when they're all black. So there's just the reason why they're so good is that the system just goes all the way down, even though that some of the attack shapes are different from, you know, club to club, which allows, you know, New, Ze- New Zealand system, which we haven't done a thing on it. It's called the one, six, one, which is really a, it's a full-on multiple offense, um, so it can do anything. Um, the other thing that actually plays into playing styles is the weather, too, because obviously if you're in England or Scotland or Wales or Ireland, you're not going to have you know average of 80, 90-degree weather um, and dry. It's going to be, you know for the most part, kind of cold and wet. So their playing style does reflect that a lot. And same thing with the Southern Hemisphere. So the U.S., though, which makes it at least a little bit unique compared to a lot of other countries is that we have so many different geographic locations. Um, I'm sorry, I guess climate in different uh, places in the U S um, that as Victor was saying, we can put a lot of different things together and we can piece a lot of these things together and then, you know, roll over the world. Take Josh, it away. Questions. So I, we, we were talking about Northern and Southern hemisphere, different state playing styles, but, we also can see that northern and southern hemisphere refs have different playing styles. So does oh, that refing in, styles? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You you really see that? I mean, during the uh, we really saw the difference during the Lions tour when you had um, you know about half the refs were European based, so they were refing a. You see, like the refing. Like Plot was refing, you know, the way I would say a top 14 scrum was refed, you know, versus there's a difference with a Southern Hemisphere style scrum versus a Northern Hemisphere style scrum. And I'll tell you, we play, we are like our scrum coaching is a lot of Southern Hemisphere style, uh, especially like with Mitchell and especially with Gary Gold, because I mean, he was the you know, the forwards coach for the Springboks uh, back in, it was like 2007 when they had like that great World Cup run. So I think, you know, we're, we're going to see that continuation. Um, but I think I also believe that we have the ability to develop different types of skills with our forwards. Definitely. Um, anything else about this topic, guys? Oh, um, I think I'm going to beat the dead horse. Uh, so Dino Waldron uh, played 40 minutes in the second half, and I noticed that the scrum didn't collapse nearly as much. 
What are you trying to say? Uh, well, I'm that sorry. the mullet lost his superpowers. Yeah, the mullet. I'm telling you guys, Lance Sampson. I'm telling you. Mustache, really. I think he has like a like a full kind of five o'clock shadow going on now. He used to have just a straight stash mullet. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I don't know what I don't know what was up there. Is like just I, I'm surprised we did not concede a lot more scrum penalties. Uh, I think Uruguay gave up a lot though. Oh, they they gave up a ton. I'm just surprised we didn't get called for a bunch oh, yeah. based on like how you know Bowman was scrummaging. Yeah, and I, I I love Bowman. I, I've loved seeing him play, and I love just his attitude. Um, but I know I know props can last a long time, but he is getting up there, and, and we're in a you know thinking more towards twenty twenty three or twenty twenty seven when we host the World Cup. Knock on wood, it can happen. So, um, so. yeah, uh, on to the next topic. That uh, Dan and I just battled it out in the octagon <laughs> with pugil sticks. Yeah. So, guys, uh, you know, one of the topics that uh, came up during Dean Howe's uh, portion during a Q&A of the San Diego Legion Media Day uh, was that in the future there's going to be a draft. I will say he did not say when. <laughs> But he said it's going to happen. So, yeah. um, I he did said, run. I did run a poll. So let me get the data. Um, but Dan, you're, you're punching the numbers in right now. Um, oh yeah. So he he did say that there will be some sort of college draft in the future. He didn't say next year. He didn't say twenty years from now. Didn't specify. Also said there'd be an expansion draft, which is those are really two different kinds of drafts altogether. But. Um, what we're really talking about here is the the college draft, and um, there's a lot of debate on, especially the the Reddit pages about is there a need for a draft? Um, does that defeat the purpose of having the academy systems? And you could see, for the most part, some pretty uh, straight down the middle. You know, people from traditionally tier one uh, countries were very much against the idea of a draft. A lot of Americans, for the most part, were very much for having a draft. Um, to me, I I don't really see the the need for having a draft, and there's a couple different reasons why. Um, I don't really think that there's, you know, it's necessary to create a very specific college draft where you can maybe organize the combines and sign players after college, still get college colleges involved, but not have a specific draft that's just for them. Um, the other is that, you know, I really do think it does run counter to the idea of um, the academy system. Um, I know a lot of players who end up playing for academies do not go pro, and that's just the nature of the business. Um, but I think the academies have a, a, a great, I guess, spill-off or, or runoff effect where even the players who don't make it, maybe they'll play for a local college, maybe they'll end up becoming you know, uh, a club player in their adult ages, but they played when they were younger, they, they learned these technical skills, they become overall better players, they become captains of their team and they can help out and basically coach some of the newer players who don't know. The other, the other being is just, it, it just creates more demand for, you know, younger players. So I think that uh, having a draft unless done right kind of hurts this, this idea, which, which I think is really a great idea and gets the teams involved with building local youth rugby. 
So that's just my, um, my opening statement. Going to push the data that we received. Uh, so 39% said nope. And then everyone else, I had four options, year two, year five, and year 10. So everyone else said yes, but they said which year. I will point out that my vote went to year 10, and that only got 6%. Uh, then year two and year five both got 27%. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's your there's your data on our unscientific poll. Okay, guys, so let me jump into the, the issue. So if MLR wants to have a draft system, personally, I don't have a problem with that. But I think having open trials is better since there's a smaller base in rugby as opposed to American football. Now, academies and amateur clubs should be the source of player scouting uh, like it is now to a certain extent. Uh, that's for now. And then in a few years, a draft system can be implemented. So, yeah, by year 10, let's say, for example. Gosh, what do you got? So since Dean House was part of <laughs> Major League Soccer, I decided to look up Major League Soccer's draft. They actually technically started their draft when they started play. Oh, yeah. They, oh, they yeah. started in 1996. They had they actually had two separate drafts. They had a supplemental draft where they basically, if you were playing professionally in the USL, you were eligible for that. And then if you were coming out of college, there was the college draft. And then in 2000, they basically just combined that, and it's now known as the Super Draft. So I guess that brings up the question: Do we draft players from clubs? Yeah. Um. So, Liam. What do you have to say? Poacher! Penguin Tundra himself. So he's like, okay, so if you're a college student who doesn't live near an academy, you have to do your own work in getting your name out there. A draft will force more attention to a wider field of players. I do agree with that. Um, However, I I do – I am with Dan in saying that this has to be done correctly. Uh, I don't think it's a year two thing. I don't. Uh, because I think in order to do this correctly is that you have a blended system like the MLS and they keep trumpeting the MLS model. So at some point there's going to be a minor league set up that is an extension of major league rugby. Um, so you have to, so you have to put bodies in there. Right. Uh, and then, um, so MLS has their super draft, which they pull guys up from the minor leagues and college. And then, you know, going into where college rugby is, there's a bunch of data I pushed out last week on Twitter. And so there's over, there's over 540 NCAA programs. That doesn't count NAIA football at all. No. Yeah. It doesn't count NAIA football. So you have 120 uh, full scholarship, 85 scholarships uh, at Division One FBS, and then you have 85 scholarship equivalencies for Division One. No, no, no. Correction: 65 scholarship equivalencies that can be split off on 85 players, and then it goes down and down. And Division Three has no scholarships, but you have over 540 programs that are in daily training environments, even at the division three level. And in rugby, there aren't really a lot of schools handing out scholarships and 
there's only about 10 schools that have a, the environment and b the full-time head coaches. So I think, you know, I've said 50, but I think to get, we need a massive youth explosion. We need high school varsity rugby and we need like a hundred schools where they're paying a full-time head coach and their guys are practicing more than twice a week. You know, full, everyone's in the gym. Everyone's, you know, out there working They're two hours of practice in the evening, you know, four nights a week, and then they play their game. So if you don't, if we don't have high performance environments at the collegiate level, uh, then there is no purpose to have a draft. Yeah. That's, that's something that I had an issue with initially with the draft. If, if it was implemented, you know, year two, three or four, there wouldn't be good enough players outside of, you know, maybe a one round or two round drafts that would really, you know, matter for the most part. I mean, there may be a couple guys at the very top, but I think there'd be a, a yeah, huge drop I, off. In, so in was it 27 guys who graduated in 2017 have signed MLR contracts? And there's a few other guys that haven't signed MLR contracts. But so say all 27 of those guys had said, hey, we're going to go in the draft. That still only gives you a two-round draft and then free, um, you know, free agent signings. Whereas, think about how many college seniors graduate from that go into the draft pool, let alone draft eligible juniors. Right? For you have thousands of guys to pick from in out of three hundred and fifty spots uh, in the NFL draft. So. The, the talent pool needs to be built. So I really don't see it being a thing for 10 to 15 years and 10 years would be early. And that would require a massive youth explosion, a massive high school explosion of athletes. And then colleges being serious. That's the biggest thing is like, do colleges want to be serious about their rugby programs? Cause it's not NCAA. So you got to make adult decisions to support this via your alumni uh, you know, endowments and the school just fronting cash like Life or Grand Canyon or Lindenwood does. The other thing too with, um, with with the whole draft system is it uh, Matt Truville, who is the academy director for Houston Sabercats, actually said. And I think you were at the Lost Afternoon when he gave this or or something like that, where he basically said um, in America colleges are the way to go when it comes to sports. This is when you get a lot of your players because they have the systems in place and they put everything together. So even though he's the academy director and he's putting together all this academy for Houston, he understands the importance of working with the colleges. So there is something where, where it may necessarily make a draft not or I guess not necessary is that a lot of times maybe they can um, have local partnerships with the colleges in conjunction with having their own academy. You know, when you have an academy, you're not going to get, you know, five, six, seven players every single year who are going to be able to make it pro. That's just not how it works. You're going to get a lot of players who have an academy contract and they may just drop off. They may not be good enough to play pro. And I guess that that's really it. They can, they can go play club rugby. Um, but you want to, as a team, you want to make sure you have as many players as possible to choose from. So if you can partner with local colleges or even, you know, some maybe the league just has to put on these combines where instead of having just a strict draft, maybe have a, a, a college signing period or, or something like that. Obviously, there are certain things about this league that it does have to adapt for the American system, 
It doesn't necessarily have to be. There was something brought up, a conversation I had. So you know how James Kennedy said, if you're Irish and American qualified, call me. So, so MLR puts out the call. If you're Irish, English, Kiwi, Australian, but American qualified, uh, here's the application link. Submit your resume. What if the the draft becomes foreign players who are American qualified? Like that's who you – so say there's 50 guys that submit applications and you run a four-round draft um, on a 10-team league. You know, that could be something that could work. Right. Gotcha. But then you'd be, getting, you'd be getting a lot of foreign players who wouldn't necessarily – meet the foreign player criteria, correct? Yeah. So they're American qualified because they have, you know, a, you know, their grandma is an American or their mom is American. Like, yeah. so or they were born they, here or something or they're born here and they just Hit grew up elsewhere. So, yeah. you know, but isn't, isn't that an issue in the club competitions right now? Like there are USA qualified, but they count as a foreign player. So yeah, but that's, I mean, this is MLR, man. MLR is a just commercial asking. organization. Yes, they're mirroring their rule again based on USA Rugby, but I, I know Old Blue has had to fight that. But if you are an eagle, which this is something they've had to fight, you shouldn't count towards the foreign player cap. Because it's so, ridiculous. Because it's, it's ridiculous. So I think it's just their rule is based on like the five foreign players are going to be sort of marquee-ish players, right? And then if you're American qualified, um, you're just going into the general pool. And that's sort of a, you know, you take all those young guys that are Charlie Hewitt's age or Connor Murphy's age or Justin Allen's age that can come in and start right away. So I guess that leads into the question you brought in the foreign player draft. What if we don't do a draft? What if we just have like a combine? Because I know the teams had their own combines. What if we had the league had its own combine, maybe like one on the West Coast, one on the East Coast. If you want to play in this league, attend one of them. The teams will all attend both of them or however many they want to put on. And they sign them through that. Like well, it's almost I, like a free agent combine. I That's what I, that's what I think is a, a way forward. It's like, so all of these players say they want to be in the MLR next year, right? So the league has the date. They do two combines, so everyone watches. Oh, you want to you, you want to sign that player? Okay, you got to have an agent, and you got to go negotiate, and you got to do what whatever you're going to do. But that that's also something I see that could that's a future thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, honestly, that that could, in some sense, replace some need for a draft because, as many people like Liam was just saying, if you're going to school and, or if even if you just live in like, I think he, he goes to school in Vermont and you're in a place that's far away from any, you know, any real program, you're far away from Academy or you're far away from even one of these combines, you know, he thinks that having, um, you know, a draft would really help with that because then people will be paying scouts to go to all these different colleges and stuff and, and really pick it out. Um, but I think having these combines would really take out a, a big part of it and, and helping uncover players that you may not necessarily have known about. Corey, in, in regards to standardizing college uh, competitions, I've written about this a few times and, you know, the biggest issue with standardizing this is um, 
USA Rugby either needs to have an alignment uh, conference and bring all the college coaches and administrators in and say, this is what's we're, what we're going to do. For D1A, you have to meet these standards. For D1AA, you have to meet these standards. For D2, you have to meet these standards. NSCRO, which governs the majority of collegiate rugby, has specific standards that teams have to meet. So, I mean, or like with the Varsity Cup thing, um, which sort of didn't really work um, and wasn't I, – I just didn't believe in it. And, it, you know, the way they did it didn't really work out that well. But the, – or the colleges can just take the power themselves and have their conference with – have their kumbaya without the union and say, hey, we came together. This is what we're going to do. Um, this is how we would like you to administer this. And here's your $5,000 sanction fee. Bye. Yeah, I mean, this is another issue that comes up is the fact that USA Rugby and collegiate rugby is not really aligned. So that kind of, it throws a lot in there. And, and it's club rugby, even at colleges. They're not um, Division One, Division Two, whatever, NCAA. So they're not going to get the same funding from these schools that they would if they were. Obviously, schools like Cal. Um, $2 million Saturday. What up? Yeah. So obviously schools like Cal and Life and other, you know, St. Mary's, everything like that, they're obviously investing. But a lot of these these schools can't invest that much. It's just the fact that there aren't that many colleges who really focus on rugby that if they invest just a little bit, that just goes a long way. So at the end of the day with at the end of the day with that, it's like so do the alumni of that school want to support their rugby program? Because that's why Cal rugby is like this because the alumni pay the bills yeah and that's i mean that's that's the truth with every sport really is like the alumni or the and the big boosters that have their their pet sport is football they throw down the money to buy out charlie strong's contract when they throw down the money to buy out todd graham's contract you know or they throw up or they throw down the money to say hey Hugh freeze got to go well that's actually what Loyola in Baltimore. So my dad went there and he's actually working a lot with them and they put together, I think four $2,500 scholarships to potential rugby players. And it's, it's all strictly alumni driven. Uh, that's just what they have to do because they don't get as much support, but they're trying to become one of the better, better NSCRO, uh, you know, club rugby colleges. And it's working. They're they're in the final four, I think, or something like that. I'm not really sure exactly how it works. All right, I think we've uh, you know hit that one up. So there were no player signings this week. So this was kind of cool. Damn. Hold on, I'm just pulling this up. Oh yeah, so my tweet of the week. So this I was actually I found this today um, as I was actually just surfing through Twitter. Um, this is in reference to uh, Barstool Big Cat. So um, the original tweet was actually from Ben Pinkelman, uh, Ben Pinkelman being the captain of the USA Sevens team. He tweets at Barstool Big Cat. He goes, we may not be household names, but we got more airtime on ESPN2 than Barstool Van Talk. Hashtag AWL at pardon my take. Big Cat retweets it going cold-blooded. That's it, just cold-blooded <laughs> Ben Pinkelman. <laughs> so I... I just found it really funny. I don't personally read Barstool or anything like that, but 
I do know that they they like to respond to things like this, and it's just it's really funny. <laughs> I just want to know what it's in reference to because I couldn't so, find anything. So it's because like uh, all of the the big stuff that got shifted to uh, ESPN from ESPN three this weekend, and then Perry Baker also made the top ten on Saturday night. I think it was. Eosefo made it on Friday. Ah, so there we go. Two nights in a row. We're on a, we're on the top sports center top ten. So that's yeah. that's something better, right? That's exposure. Yeah, which I guess actually, going from that, um, that's probably a good transition going straight into the other glorious victory that we that we were talking about before. I know that's a, one of our trending topics that we had coming up. Sorry to steal that from you, Josh. <laughs> no, you're good. So. <laughs> Run with it. Just run. <laughs> yeah. So no. after being knocked out of the in the semis for the past what three years, I think. Yep. Yep. They've the USA finally made the final in their uh, their home tournament, and they beat Argentina twenty eight to nothing. Perry Baker sure. is averaging four sidesteps per try, and like we said, we got a couple mentions on SportsCenter's top ten. Yeah, my cousin texted me. I mean, he he actually played a game of rugby with me because I forced him to come out once. <laughs> and he actually texted me. He says, did you see that USA rugby player deke the, I forget what he said, deke the hell out of uh, that Australian guy? I was like, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> but with uh, the Perry Baker comment too, it's like, it's unbelievable what he's doing. Cause like people say, oh, he's just fast, but you see him and you watch this and there are three Fijian defenders Keep in mind, this is the Olympic gold-winning Fijian squad, minus two players because the Houston Sabercats signed them, so that may actually be the reason why we made it out of the semis. Um, still some of the best sevens players in the world. Had to triple-team him on our own goal line, and he just he jukes, 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 run past them all the way down and scores. But I think in the final, what was just so much more beautiful was when we were actually probably like the 22 or something and Danny Barrett gets tackled. Perry Baker gets the ball and he, I don't know what he does. He like, he takes a couple steps. He goes in between them. He roll, he, he does a spin move. There's three guys trying to tackle him. Quick offload to Danny Barrett. Try. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that like you watch and you go, and it's, it's just amazing to see that happen and see someone actually perform that mastery. I think that was the try that Argentina threw a hissy fit about Barrett. Yeah. Well, <laughs> moving hey, on to our other turn. <laughs> ten, ten, took 10 years, man. 10 years, and we finally mm-hmm. did it. Well, in USA, we did. We have won a previous cup tournament. We won the 2015 London Sevens tournament. But no one cares as much about that. True. Yeah. Hey, that was a tournament that Collins and Giro ruined a $200,000 camera because he signed it. Wait, what happened? <laughs> what happened? I don't remember that. So some some celebrations, the players will sign the camera. Yeah. Well, they try to get them to tell the cameraman before so he could put something over the camera so it doesn't ruin the camera. Oh, no. Consigliere didn't know that, so he signed the camera. And I think the camera was worth a crazy amount of money, and he ruined the camera. <laughs> That's funny. And the, right. worst, and, and the funny thing is it was a permanent market marker. Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the rule of the camera. Wow. <laughs> okay, moving on. Rather trending topic. Rugby United New York seems to be pulling a lot of press, especially internationally, um, especially the Irish papers. 
Um, they're hosting another meet and greet happy hour, a coaches Q&A session, and an open training. And, uh, they have clear intentions to make the team available. Nice. Dan, you could probably speak to that since you're in New York. Victor, too. <laughs> Sorry, Victor. Yeah. I was the, I was the one who wrote that down, so that that was coming for me. But yeah, as Victor, you can talk to this too. But we're we're very happy that this team is really making itself available, and it's not just like oh they're they're kind of practicing off the side and organizing, and they're keeping everything quiet. But they're really trying to get out there and get in front of people. It also helps that um, they have rugby wrap up who. He's a good friend of the owner, and he's probably the biggest, um, I guess, USA-based talk show that we really have. Yeah. Other than us, you know, other than us. Hey. <laughs> Moving on up. All right. Yeah. Um. A lot of so more more or less news here. Not really views or a beast this time, but I'm sure it'll. I do have one view. Um, Glendale Raptors introduced Rudy the Raptor. It's horrifying. In the guys, it's it's a blue angry bird. It's not that horrifying. It's not sorry, horrifying. I, I, sorry, Seattle's is worse. <laughs> I like so it. I just want to know how much it's going to cost to get the mascot at my non-existent kid's birthday. Okay, thanks. Oh, which, uh, one, which one would you rather have? Birthdays. <laughs> which one would you rather have? The the angry bird. The the. The sea wolf, or the as you suggested earlier, the Eastern Island, the Easter Island heads for Utah. <laughs> that, that needs to happen. That was actually that was that was that was Bob Oberson who actually. No, I that, no it? so no, I suggested that. I sent a sure? link in, so I grabbed the link from uh, Night at the Museum. Yeah. With the talking Easter not Easter Island head. Hey, dum dum, give me some gum gum. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then that, that was awesome. And then um, so I want to see the uh, the mascots race each other like they do for all the baseball games. And then Josh said, "What was it? Uh, if we get fourteen teams, we need to do mascot sevens. <laughs> that would actually be really entertaining. Those <laughs> those costumes are pretty expensive, but that would definitely be worth it. If you had like an all star game, then that'd be the best way to really kick it off. Yeah, or or at halftime of the championship game. Oh yeah, it's true." Um, so, S- San Diego Legion also had their press conference last Wednesday. Um, so, hard fact, salary cap for the full-time players is 350 k um, which is, if you spread that across only 10 guys, that's that's good money um, for the first season. So, they have an international streaming deal uh, that they will announce, and they have – there will be a minimum of 10 domestic teams next year. Uh, full, like they have another associate member of the league that they have not announced yet. Uh, and then they're looking to like have a 10th full member that is American based and also two Canadian teams for 2019. Um, if not 2020 San Diego Legion's ticket sales uh, have started. And the NOLA Gold Stadium update. It's almost done, man. I just – I was sent a photo by, uh, you know, general manager Ryan Fitzgerald. And you look at it. Uh, you're probably not going to be able to look at it um, uh, for the audience. But I'll put that, like, up there. See that the, ble- the bleachers – You could share uh, it. 
on yeah, social yeah. media so people can just see it later. I suppose it's been a week. So um, <laughs> the the bleach. So the foundation of the bleachers uh, is in. Uh, so they just need to put the actual seats on that thing, and then it's ready to go. Um, grass looked nice. Uh, Houston released a YouTube video. They will be playing at Dyer Stadium, um, right next to Carbock Brewing. Coincidentally, <laughs> um, Dan, this is uh, this is where it's sort of, I guess, the wrong way to start the week. Uh, Dan Payne will be stepping down as CEO of USA Rugby in August. Um, you know, it's hard to know, hard to see anyone who would have led the union as well as he did over the past 18 months, especially given the uh, bag of shit that uh, Nigel left for him. Um, I don't think he was necessarily prepared. And if things were were better, it's I, I think he could have accomplished me, many more things uh, for the union. But uh, thank you for your service, Dan. Um, can't wait to see the next thing you do. Also, congratulations. Uh, he has a daughter on the way in August. Nice. I will say um, that coming from the Nigel Melville era, which is very much – I guess the way he acted at least was very closed doors, you know, just the old boys talking to each other and kind of keeping everything away from the av- the average player and fan. Uh, Dan Payne really took that and completely open. You know, he started off, I think, in his first month or two with a, a Facebook live Q&A, um, was really dedicated to, to helping the grassroots. And that's something that even though uh, the CEO of USA Rugby doesn't have – as much power as you think, because obviously the board comes a lot into it too. Um, he is the face of our administration. He's done a great job. He's always been very receptive. Um, when Victor and I were in Philadelphia for the um, the Saracens match, you know, we, we saw him there. Uh, we walked over, you know, just said, hey, do you mind just coming over for a quick interview? He said, yes, of course. He came with us. He walked to a quiet place, very respectful about the entire thing. Um, so it was it was really an honor to actually get a chance to speak to him. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's a great guy. I love yeah, him. Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, you know, many people say, Hey, the, the CEO of a, a corporation shouldn't be nearly that open, but you know, after Nigel, who was definitely cold and um, irresponsible with like that, a British, like an Englishman. Yeah. Um, it was very, it was needed to have, an open and congenial personality leading USA rugby. The, I think as a member based organization, I'm not saying he needs to put out our little member fires, but if we, you know, give him a tweet, you know, say, Hey, what's up? You know, he responds or if people send a serious email and he responds or he finds the person to get it solved. If you do have issues, that's, that's what a CEO of a membership organization is supposed to do because we're all paying. Well, I don't know about y'all. Dan and I are paying members of the union, but uh, so we, when we, you know, he's responsible to lead this organization. So he's responsible to individual members, and he understood that right away, and has been one of the most open people when it comes to stuff. He responds to you know our emails. 
um, about everything. So, um, what about you guys? Uh, I mean, do you guys have anything to say? Or, I mean, I know the other Dan has more things to uh, heap in praise. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. No worries. Go ahead. Um, and it completely escaped me, so I feel like a total jackass right now. Um, but I had something else that was that was pretty nice to say. Um, so yeah. I, I guess I have a question on this then. Jump do on we, it. Do we go for a rugby guy or do we go for a business guy or do we go for the combination one well, guy we know? That was what I had um, to say. So <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to say we need to find Nathan Bumbry's price and get him over here um, from the – Scottish Rugby Union. He's the CEO of Glasgow. Uh, I think that Nathan is ready to go for the, ready to be on the board. To be honest, he's been groomed by the Scottish Rugby Union. I don't think he needs to be CEO. I think his place is on the board and probably eventually board chair. Uh, but we need someone that understands American rugby, but understands how to run a business because we have. Not ha- for prior to Dan. I mean, Dan knew how to run an athletic business after being the athletic director at Life for two years. So I knew, and but I don't think he knew what he was getting into until like he just started until the the inferno uh, exploded when he showed up on day one. Which I'm not saying he wasn't equipped to do that, but he didn't have any reinforcements to help him out. Um, I. Well, I think well, actually I just remembered now what I was trying to say about, about Dan, but it was great having him as a CEO because he understood the landscape. Um, he didn't play as a kid, but he played after college, um, went on to be in the national team, um, started essentially started the, I think the undergraduate program in life. So he really understood the whole athletic side of it from you know many different places because he played in San Diego and he was, you know, coach over there in Georgia. Um, so he knew a lot about the rugby landscape. So it was great to do that. But um, I think bringing him in was sort of like when you have, like in the NFL, um, if for instance, you're like, I don't know, a Jets fan like me, and we're terrible year after year, some days you just have to just hit restart, blow everything up, bring in like a young up and coming guy who you really trust, but just hasn't had the experience yet. So I guess in that sense, if, if Dan had more from the athletic director side and really understood rugby, but may not have understood um, as much about um, USA rugby and how like a, a nonprofit governing body works. You know, he was the guy that, that's, that's done a great job. Um, really up and coming guy. Even though he, now he's no well, longer he, CEO. He's put out a lot of fires, but we're sort of still in a bit of the same position. Um, we, we're still in a bad market capitalization. Um, we, we got better under his watch. Which is not all on him, too. That's something no, that's very it, it's not all on him. We, we got better. Like, the reason we got better was because of him. Yeah. And, but we need someone who is rugby-minded, I would say, but can pull us out of the, the funk. You know? Financial wizard. Someone who can make us some money. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, yeah, thanks for your service. Um, and I think the next one is uh, San Diego Legion will play Austin Elite on March 24th. 
Um, so, Corey, That's where a, are you? I'm sorry. That was a really great transition going from all the news. Dan Payne for 20 minutes. And, <laughs> hey, oh, hey Cindy here's a good one. James Kennedy for CEO. <laughs> um, not make it happen. Wow. For a while, uh, by the way, the San Diego Legion uh, Austin League game that's a home game or away? Uh, at it's at Austin, it's according at to Austin. the Major League Rugby site. At Austin Thank Elite, you. find out. And in the next couple of weeks, because there are more, uh, there are more games coming up now, so lots of different teams coming up. Perfect time to really get in on that MLR fantasy. So, we're really going to start pushing that a bit too, because there, there are going to be at least one weekend that will have more than just one game, so you have lots of different players to actually pick from. Bob, wake up. How's it going tonight? Well, um, you know, Bob had some questions, so we're waiting for you to read them. Yeah, well, that's what I do, and I uh, apologize for, for the delay there. So enough about me. Let's talk about you for a minute. Bob, 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 Boberson wants to know, what do you guys think about the uh, mascots so far? Uh, there's Rucky and Rudy. Um, Angry Bird is better. Give me more, I guess. Um, They're a lot better than the Sun Wolves uh, mascot from a couple of years ago, which they switched. But the Sun Wolves, <laughs> oh my God, I think, that was so bad. I think that the it was, it was awesome, but it was terrifying. And the whole point of a mascot is to be there for the kids, and the kids are not going to want to stay near that. I think people coined the the phrase like "rapey wolf" because it looked like it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we got the Sun Wolves, the Sea Wolves. Who becomes the Snow Wolves? <laughs> the Snow Wolf. Uh, so. Canada, uh, Vancouver. It doesn't snow very much there, actually. Um, so we've got two. Do we want to see more? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously we, we, can't, we can't have the Sevens match if we only have two. Yeah. I mean, I, like, so this is where I go, you know, with – Americanization of rugby and like embracing American culture and in American culture, we have mascots. So every team's got to have a mascot so you can, you know, rent it out for someone's birthday party. Well, like you said, the sun wolves have a, they have a mascot. We all know very much about now. <laughs> hey, I've, I've, seen, I've seen some mascots in the premier league. Yeah. It's so, not like every single team has it. But they have them. <laughs> All right, moving along. Uh, Flippity Floppity 10, another one of our regulars, wants to know, um, do any MLR teams have cheerleaders? So kind of along the same vein there. Well, they so Sabercats have the Saber Kittens, um, but I don't know if that's going to evolve into like a full-on dance team. I think that the idea behind that is kind of like um, – it was Basically. like ge- genies, right? Because I mean, I would say like more like a ch- a yell crew because they like do a bunch of you know pep crew. stuff. Yeah, pep well, it's kind of like um, when you go to baseball games; they're the people that throw out all the t-shirts. Yeah, exactly. You know yeah. the the party crew or whatever they call them. Yeah. Um, now I'm just thinking uh, back to the recently completed Olympics, and uh, there was at least one country that seemed to have very. Uh, a very well. No. <laughs> Moving on. Ah, uh, no. no. Next question. Ugh. We don't want to spend time on North Korea. Come on, guys. No. Unless no. they have a rugby. No. No. 
Uh, Michael H. Render. Uh, sounds like a proper name. Has a question, and that is, has there been an announcement of who the streaming partner will be? And he says, I really want to watch MLR and don't want to pay for it. He doesn't mind. mind he doesn't mind. Oh, doesn't mind. Don't don't mind paying for it. Uh, it hasn't been announced, but it's confirmed that it's done. The other thing, too, is that, yeah, from that, from the San Diego Legion Q&A, they actually said, yes, it's done, and it's at the top of your list, or at the top of your very short list in terms of well-known names for streaming so partners. you have, like, the streaming partners are, like, so Amazon, straight up, um, Netflix, straight up, then you have NBC Sports, uh, straight up, and then CBS is launching their thing, and ESPN is launching their thing, and then YouTube has their own platform as well. So, guessing it's not Flow Rugby now. Really hope it's YouTube. Really hope it's YouTube. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking YouTube. That'd be great. Hey, it could it's be top of my could be ESPN Plus. It's true. They are coming up with ESPN Plus. That would be interesting. I think uh, the first thing that runs into my mind when you talk about uh, a TV product, though, is um, you know why wouldn't CBS use their online stuff for because it sucks. Well, well because because it doesn't exist that. yet. It's just been announced that they're um doing it. So they have, they've, they've literally just added CBS Sports to the DirecTV streaming app like a month ago, and they finally got the DirecTV login on their streaming website because they're so, pushing it for MLR. That's why. <laughs> um, so originally, um, this was brought up because um, I asked about this, right? Uh, YouTube was put on San Diego Legion's website, but it has since been taken down. So maybe it is YouTube. I don't know. Yeah, it was on. It was on like their sponsor page, and it was like benefits of being a sponsor. But it would be. It wouldn't be on like regular YouTube. It would be on like YouTube TV. So you'd have to subscribe to it, people. Are you sure? Definitely. I, I mean, why would you put it? I mean, because it's free access. I mean, I'm I'm assuming that the way they want to do it, they have the CBS Sports, which is TV, and apparently now has you know some streaming capabilities too. But well, I I, for, I do it to, since they have that international streaming deal. I know YouTube has geo-blocking. Would they just put it on YouTube in North America and then geo-block so everywhere if it's else? An, if it's an international streaming deal, you can uh, geo-block the game of the week domestically, right? Yeah. And then um, have all of the games not geo-blocked in like the UK or Canada or whatever. That's why, that's why I really want it to be YouTube because people can watch YouTube and it's the same stream. Like ESPN, some countries don't have ESPN, so they wouldn't be able to actually stream it. But YouTube is available in almost every country except for one that we discussed earlier on this pod that also had really good cheering sections. Um, actually, too. All the, but all the rugby playing countries have it and they it's easy for them to use. A lot of times yeah. they use it anyway. So... so. I mean, I, 
I really want that international deal to be very easy for them to access. They can just go on YouTube, watch it, you know, especially if it's just the first year or two. I think it's going to be, I I just, based on the way this is going, it's going to be, it's going to be a subscription based service. It's just not going to be a, uh, one with limited reach, like the rugby channel, because somebody decided to ask on Twitter, Hey, for the non game of the week, are they going to choose a, they're going to negotiate with the rugby channel. I mean, the rugby channel has 5,000 subscribers. Uh, <laughs> it's very recognizable for us. Hey, it's not, like, Actually, speaking of the, the rugby channel, this is something I meant to bring up earlier. Um, so in the USA rugby, um, I guess, uh, page or whatever for talking about Dan Payne when he was leaving, there's actually a quote um, when it said, when asked what is immediately next for Payne, he replied, going to focus my remaining time with USA Rugby on a successful Rugby World Cup 7th in San Francisco, assist in every way possible to support the debut season of Major League Rugby, and finalize the agreement for a Women's 7 Series stop in the United States this fall. So obviously it's all good things, but he actually did say, and USA Rugby is posting, that he said he's going to fully support Major League Rugby, which... So if we, uh, so if we read the tea leaves... Um... I'm pretty sure that this sanctioning agreement uh, is done. And there were some MLR people in Vegas. Um, oh, there were players. Weekend. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, officials. Yeah, um, obviously. So t- I know that Thierry Dupont went to Vegas this weekend. So, uh, you know, there was a USAR board meeting. Um, which is sort of abnormal to have two board meetings uh, in a month. Uh, but uh, so it could have been a special session to approve a sanctioning agreement or partnership or whatever we're going to call it. Yeah. And we, we obviously knew that they were going to support Major League Rugby. It's just that they weren't able to be open about it yet because of the whole sanctioning thing with yeah. Pro. However, this is the first bit that I've seen publicly. Oh yeah, through the CEO and also on the page saying we're supporting Major League Rugby. Yeah. They wouldn't Definitely. post that unless they just messed up. No, I, I think that's intentional yeah. um, to say that. So that's really encouraging, though. I think. Yeah, it is. Um, next question. Next question is from Rugger BT. Wants to know any idea what team will the Eagles play on June 9th at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Denver? So it was supposed to be Germany. Um, it obviously uh, is not going to be Germany because of their players' strike, and they just got shellacked by Belgium. So Which is a pretty not very uh, good team. They're ranked yeah. like 28th or 29th. Yeah, so that's yep. 69 to 12. Uh, you know, by deep, t- by low end tier three team, and then uh, yeah. So if things go the way I think they're gonna go in the rack, uh, let's get Spain over here. That's gonna be a good game. Be fun. And also, then you, can, then you can bring the Spanish women over here, and we can have like a big weekend. You know? <laughs> because our, and everything. Because our women currently only have one test against an unannounced opponent, so. Bring the Spanish women over here too, so we can have like a big, you know, double header. And by the way, guys, real quick, speaking of the Spanish women, they just won the um, the REC version, the wreck. Uh, wreck. like the wreck, the, the sixth year in a row. 
Six, exactly. Six year in a row. That's what I'm saying. Bring them out. I mean, that'd be good. I'd like to see them play against the the women. Yeah, are they, are they Eagles too? Yeah. Or... Eagles. No, they're, no, they're, 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 they're lionesses. Las Leones. Las Leones. Lionesses. Las Leones against the women Eagles. So, okay. yeah. yeah. Whoever's coming over, it should be a European tier yeah. two country because Dan Payne specifically said they're waiting for the outcome of the REST. So, if mm-hmm. things, go the, things go the way they're supposed to go, Spain will qualify so they mm-hmm. won't have to play like anyone else to, to go to the World Cup. So they're op- they're open for the summer. Yeah. And all they have to really do is win out because I think um, – Don't, even, mentioned don't even need a bonus point. Just, just no, they don't need a bonus point because of the Romania's – I guess I think they won against Russia, but they only won like 25 to 12 or something. Yeah. So they exactly. don't need the bonus point anymore. So all they have to yeah. do is win against a really weak Germany – which the egg chasers are going to be at. Um, and I'm going to try and watch as much as possible. Um, and then Belgium, which is also not that great of a team. Unless yeah. they mess up and then Romania's in. Sucks. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. So, next question. All right. So, uh, Liam, who's been really uh, throwing some stuff at us on the YouTube chat tonight. So, thank you for that. He uh, had a question earlier that I thought I'd save for this section. And he wanted to know, do we know if any of the Eagles um, returning from the ARC are going to be back in time uh, to play on their home squad of the Raptors versus Nolo this weekend? I would say I doubt it. No, but I could ask that question. I, I'd say Bursic isn't playing either for Nola. Any reason why not? Because they played six straight weeks in the ARC. Davies yeah. is hanging out with his dog. Feel that? Um. We'll tweet that later. Mm-hmm. Watch your video so you can watch the picture. Psalm Wuching has a cat. Um. <laughs> so, any uh, other animals? <laughs> animals, the MLR, a new uh, new podcast from Earful of Dirt. Mm. So, so is that before or after the Pokemon Go podcast? <laughs> Oh, uh, we have so many shows uh, under our umbrella now. It's, it's Man, seriously. <laughs> I just don't uh, have time. I'm, I mean, I'm working nine to five and have all these podcasts. I don't, I don't know how I do it. Yeah, uh, Victor, how's the uh, Spanish lessons podcast been coming? I didn't even know we had one of those. <laughs> you know, language it's got to be on the, on the list somewhere. Well, Spanish. Well, that's the, the, still under development. The Spanish language podcast. All right. Um, Final question. And this is uh, kind of a little bit of a plant, so uh, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and answer this one myself. But uh, Tobar the Gypsy on Reddit asks, what is Discord? Well, Dan, Discord? I'm glad you ask. I didn't ask. Someone on Reddit asked. That was some guys who called Tobar. <laughs> Um, I don't know who came up, like why anyone came up with the title of that program. Um, it's a chat program, I guess, live chatting. Uh, but sewing discord is the first thing that came up to my mind. Ah, that's what you meant by that. Okay. I was so confused. Uh, so basically this week, um, as, uh, 
Aaron loves to point out, sometimes I get bored and I fiddle with things and uh, idle hands being the devil's playground as they are. Um, I thought it'd be fun to go ahead and set up a discord channel just for uh, our subreddit, RML Rugby. And so that's live and up and running now. And uh, you can find a link to it over on uh, on our Reddit page. Uh, we'll probably uh, tweet something out about it this week sometime too. Just get some more folks interested. But uh, yeah, so far so good. We Today is the first full day that it's been active. And uh, we got yeah, probably about seven, eight people up there talking right now. And uh, yeah, it's just a chance for us to kind of kick back. We talk a little rugby, talk a little bit about life. Just really building that community uh, for folks. And I think for better or for worse, we are a very small uh rugby community in this country still uh it's growing every day and that's really encouraging but you know i don't know anybody in my town that's into rugby and so it's nice to have you know these guys that i get to talk to every week and then also more people on reddit more people on discord uh just kind of all sharing ideas and sharing uh mutual love for the game so yeah join us uh it's going to be a kind of a free-for-all i think a lot of it's just chatting about whatever you want to chat about so feel free to set up a come join discord and come join the conversation and uh, as time goes on we're going to be looking at more options more ways to integrate that if we want to do um if we want to do a voice chats uh they do have that capability on the system and so especially moving into the regular season um for games that aren't games of the week I think they, there could be some real possibilities for ways uh, for us to interact on that platform. Not saying that's what we'll end up doing, just kind of what we're bouncing around ideas for right now. So, yeah, come check us out on Discord. I'll, uh, I'll get the link posted here on uh, on Twitter here a little bit later on this week. So, Ooh, that's my pitch. Thanks, guys. Final thoughts. Josh, you have something. You doing something this yeah. weekend, Josh? Yeah, I'll be at the Nola Glendale match in Infinity Park this weekend. Nice. Awesome. I'm sure you'll tell us all about it. Yeah. Read the recap. (laughs) You'll have to read the recap. He won't tell you. You have to read it. Hey, grab some pictures. I'll try. um, Glendale's also really pushing that this is a free event, too. It's like a community event or something like that and it's obviously a preseason match but it's nice to see that they're offering it for free and anyone who shows up can just walk right in and it's actually actually kind of cool they got a um a kickoff match a pre-match before it where they got um a jesuit high school from colorado facing the jesuit high school from new orleans that's that's, cool. that's awesome yeah, send, like every all of these guys are are hosting something before the matches and i know that um Red River Rugby is having – they actually responded to a tweet that I saw um, because there was the a versus LSU game that happened right before um, the Houston match against Ontario. And so Aggie Rugger, Aggie Rugger, who's uh, – uh, Nick, who's, who's a, a former Houstonian who now lives in, in Louisiana, actually posted a video, and a lot of the fans were singing the – I guess the war song or the fight song for not war song. What am I thinking? I didn't go to a good college with a good sports, a fight song for AM, and they're all just like going back and forth and singing it. And it was like saw off 
the horns or, or something like that. So that was pretty cool. Saw but anyway, off, saw off the horns or saw yeah. off the horns of varsity. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Something like that. So I think that's um, university of Texas rugby is playing. I think a and M in one of the matches or before one of the matches, I don't know exactly who it is, but they're going to be playing. So it's great to see. We, we knew this before, but it's great to see them actually, Bring in it's 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 a double header. Uh, bring in double headers from local schools, get them involved, make them fans. And obviously, if you went to that school, as you would have seen in that video that Nick posted, you know you really get into it for the team because you went there, even if you didn't play rugby. So, yep. So, yeah. Victor, take us out. Sounds good. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening again. This was episode twenty-six of the Earful of Dirt Major League Rugby Podcast. Just subscribe to our channel at YouTube called Earful of Dirt Podcast. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt on all three platforms. Check out our brand new website. Well, I mean, it's not uh, brand new anymore, but in any case, check it out. Uh, Earfulofdirt.com. Add our podcast to iTunes, ACAS, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, and leave us a review. Call us at 1-720-600-2679 to leave a voicemail or join our lab broadcast at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Adios. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.